Well, this morning, our journey through the book of Genesis brings us to chapter 12. And if you were in Bible class, uh, you probably discussed what a great break there is between chapter 11 of Genesis and chapter 12 of Genesis. Uh, It's one of the most significant breaks in all of Scripture. And this, this is the beginning of the story of Abraham, or Abram, as he's called right now. His name will be changed a little bit later. But also the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the story of Jesus coming into this world. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. If you'll remain standing, please, as we sing the song that follows. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. May God bless the reading of his word. Those of you who know me know I'm a little weird. <laughs> well, maybe I'm a, a normal person with a few oddities. How about that? But uh, one thing that um, uh, certain songs bring certain people back to my mind. Do y'all think in that terms at all? And, and every time I sing certain songs, and I don't know when they're coming. They just sort of happen, and I'm singing it with this particular person. Uh, from the past. That's a Charles Seibert song right there. I I don't know that I've ever been in any kind of situation with Charles where we started singing that he didn't sing that song. And so I always sing that with Charles. The the song about um, uh, there is a redeemer, that's a Miss Helen song. I'm looking at some friends from Tyler down here that know these folks. And uh, anyway, that's one of the great blessings of being a part of a church family is you make these lifelong relationships and you share things at such different levels. And music is certainly a level of the heart. And anytime you sing these songs that bind you back together, not only with the people you're with, but people of your past as well. All right. We're working through Genesis, but we're really not studying Genesis. Have you sort of caught on to that? We're we're using Genesis to study families. And as we're working through Genesis, we're not looking at every story, but only those stories that maybe can give us some insight into family. Genesis is foundational. We, We go back to Genesis to see how things began. And in seeing the beginning of things, we understand what God's purposes were whenever he made us this way. In the book of Genesis, we find stories about people, and they're interesting stories. Some of them are very puzzling stories, but they are also stories that reveal and expose. They they reveal these people, even though they're just kind of names to us, who were very real people with very real emotions and, and experience things in much the same way that we do. It reveals their challenges they faced. It reveals their successes they enjoyed. And also, being a truthful book, 
It reveals their failures. And so that's why we want to look at their stories, because if we let them, if we open up our hearts to these stories, if we will play them in our minds and find our place in them, then these stories reveal us too, and they will expose us. They will show our challenges. They will celebrate our successes, and they will also show our failures. So it's quite an adventure to let these stories speak to us. Each of us has a family. Some of our families are very large. Some are somewhat small, but we all have a group of people that we identify with in this world as family. They're structured differently. Some families are highly functional with a few dysfunctions thrown in just to make it interesting. Other families are highly dysfunctional with just enough glimmer of hope occasionally to encourage us. But all of us in our families have in common certain longings for our family. There are certain things that we, we want to get out of family. We have certain dreams about our families. And one thing that we all share in common in our families is that every one of our families is constantly changing. Family, in and of itself, never stays the same. Month by month, year by year, decade by decade, your family is going to change. And one of the greatest callings we have in this life is making decisions and learning how to cope with those changes. What do we do with a family that never stays the same? Now, my story is much like most of your stories. My family changes have in many ways paralleled yours, although we may have different details. It, was, it just doesn't seem like that long ago that if anybody said family to me, then immediately family was mom and dad and me and my sister living in this small house on a corner lot in a little West Texas town. Or maybe family might include the 200-mile trip to see our grandparents, or maybe an aunt and an uncle and cousins coming to visit. That doesn't seem like that long ago, but wow, how much has changed. Now when I hear the word family, the images that come to mind are totally different from that. Well, what happened? Well, my sister and I grew up. We went off to school, and each of us got married, and then the kids came along, and talk about changes then. <laughs> and then the kids grew up, and what do you do with that one? I could, I could still remember holding my boys in my hands and thinking, I want them to be this way forever. This is just so cool to hold them up and to flip them over. That was always what we did, ride a little horsey, go, and you flip them off your, you know, I wish I could do that again. 
Um, I don't think my son sitting back there would let me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I could get it accomplished, but you know, it just changed. But then again, now the grandkids are coming, and they're as good as advertised, aren't they? Uh, but more changes. Family is just different. Your family is different today than it was last year or the year before that or the year before that. And some of the changes are embraced as wonderful, and some are very difficult. I think of going through a couple of years as a single parent. I don't want to go back and do that again. When I say family now, it does not on this earth include mom and dad. It doesn't include grandparents or aunts or uncles. All of our families have experienced gains, but all of our families, in many ways, have experienced loss. Your family is the same as all of our families. We face challenges. We face change. And Abraham's family was like that. Yeah, we got to it, didn't we? Read the first little part where Abraham is introduced into Scripture. And Abraham is a man who had to face a lot of changes going on in his life as well. And we want to look at his story, just the brief part at the first there, and realize how his world got turned upside down too. And then we want to keep our eyes on him and learn from him about what do you do with all this change going on? How do you cope with the challenges that come your way in your family? What do you do when you lose something in your family that can never be replaced? Well, Abraham is introduced as being in the land of his birth and called to leave that land. He was born in Ur of the Chaldees. Don't know what the zip code was for Ur of the Chaldees. By the way, that is U-R, not E-R, okay? I, I, I try to say it that way, so you know, Ur of the Chaldees. Ur was a great city of its day. This was a, about 2000 B.C. It, it was in the Sumerian uh, civilization, which was the most highly advanced civilization of its time. And in fact, excavations of Ur, which is about 70 miles south of, of present-day Baghdad, have revealed a city that had nice houses and great public buildings and running water and showers in, in the houses. And you know, sometimes we think of these people as being very primitive. Well, they don't have the technology maybe we have today, but it was still a good civilization. And yet, at some point in his life, Abraham was called to give all that up and to let it go. And he and his dad and, and his, one of his brothers, because, you know, Somewhere along the way back there in Ur, one of his brothers had died. That's just a little note in Genesis chapter 11. Oh yeah, Haran, Abraham's brother, died. I want to tell you that wasn't just a little note in Abraham's life. Any of you who have lost siblings know that that is something that changes your world and it changes your life. 
So already Abraham's going through this cycle. And so he moves on up with dad and his other brother. He's, he takes his nephew, who now he has kind of taken under his wing. And they move up and they, they seem like they start a new town up there because they name it after their departed brother in Ur, Haran. And there dad dies. More change going on. And then God comes to him and says, okay, you've settled in. You've got your place all fixed up here. Let's rip it all up and let's move to a new place. Come on, let's go. We're going to the land of Canaan. Now, I don't know if you talked about that in Bible class or not, about what a difficult thing that would be to pack all this stuff up. They didn't have U-Haul trucks you know, to, to load it all up in and go. They had to use primitive means of just walking and pack animals. They traveled close to 400 miles, which isn't much further than whenever we left this town and moved to Tyler, Texas. But I tell you what, our move there is totally different than what Abraham went through in his move. Because when I got to Tyler, I know we West Texas folks don't like to think that other towns are about as good as our town, but they really are, you know. It's about the same size. Hey, they've got paved streets now in Tyler, and and they've got air conditioning and electricity and plumbing. And so to move from San Angelo to Tyler was a change, but it was a lot of similarities too, and it really wasn't that tough a thing to do. But you got to realize for Abraham to pull up stakes and to go to a country he had never seen and the primitive means of transportation and to go to a land that he was being promised that God would give it to him, but it was already occupied by other people. And those people didn't want Abraham coming in here. Yeah, it was a lot going on in Abraham's life. So if you can kind of process that, And lay that alongside your family story. And recognize that Abraham was dealing with all these challenges and changes. When he got to this new land, there was a famine. Then he had a war. There was a water shortage at one time. Hey, we can relate. And then family conflict. Many of the stories about Abraham are about people in his family upset with one another. Abraham knew all these things. He faced these things. His story is much like ours. So what is it that gave Abraham his faith and his perspective? What gave him his strength to keep on going with all this change happening in his life, and to find meaning in it. Well, to answer that question, we're going to spend the last five minutes here turning over to the book of Romans. Because about 2,000 years after Abraham lived, the apostle Paul was dealing with the church in Rome and some people that he loved dearly, and he wanted them to be able to face the challenges and the changes going on in their families and in their lives as well. And in doing that, he thought about Abraham and how Abraham handled these situations. 
And so as he talks to them about their lives and about living faithful lives and lives, lives that, that are strong enough to face the challenges of life, he begins talking to them about Abraham. So we're going to let him tell us what it was about Abraham that made all this possible. Begin reading in chapter 4 of Romans. Chapter 4, verse 16. He begins by saying, for this reason, it depends on faith. Isn't it interesting that faith is not just a church word? That faith has something to do with how well we do in our families. That faith has something to do with how we can cope with what's going on in our lives. It says it all depends on faith. And what kind of faith? Well, skip on down with me to the middle of verse 17. He says, this is the kind of faith that Abraham had. It was in a God in whom he believed. And this is the kind of God in whom he believes. Now, this is of prime importance. You can believe in God, and that's okay. But what's really important is what kind of God you believe in. What kind of God do you believe? Do you believe in a God who's just kind of way up there in the sky somewhere and he's looking down and he's rather detached and not very involved in your life? Do you believe in a God who's uh, who's trying to punish you or or to, uh, you know, just watch you to see if you do anything wrong? It matters what kind of God you believe in. Well, let's look at the kind of God that Abraham believed in. He believed in the God... This almost makes me choke up to read. (laughs) Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. He believes in a God who creates. He does not believe in a God who just simply maintains. You know, I'm into maintenance. I kind of settle in and I want everything to stay the same. I'm upset because I haven't even told Pat this. My chair that I've only had for 10 years, and it just fits my body, it's wearing out. And I'm thinking, I don't want to get a new chair. I want this chair. It's the best chair I ever had. Why can't it last as long as I last? And there's so much about family. Why can't it go back to the way it was? Back when things were good, or back when this person was here, or back before that was said, or back before that person left, or back before my kid did this, or, you know, why can't it just go back and stay like it was? Well, it can't, and it won't. And God is not a God who can even do that. God is a God who creates. God is a God who brings new life into situations. And wherever you are, He can make that something good. Whatever has happened, He can take it and open up doors of opportunity for you to live again. Not dismissing the pain that's gone, not dismissing the disappointment, not denying those things, 
but just where you are now, touching it with his creative force and saying, here is something new for you. This is the kind of God that Abraham believed in. This is the kind of God that he followed. Because had he been different from that, if we turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, you know, all these folks that went out and did these great things, Hebrews 11 tells us they had every opportunity not to. They could have gone back and tried to recreate what was in the past and to live there. But they chose to keep moving forward because they served a God who could bless where they were right now. I know you hear me say it all the time, but it's one of my favorite statements. God is a God of now. He's not the God of the past. He's the God of the present. And wherever life has brought us, he can bless that and create possibilities in it. Well, how do we let him do that? Let's keep reading in Romans chapter 4, uh, and, and we'll get to a part where, where uh, Paul talks about how that happened. He says, hoping against hope, verse 18. They had no reason to hope, especially about this promise that he would have a kid. He was 99 years old. <laughs> you know, there's just... How many of you think you face a hopeless situation? Well, try to follow... You know, let's not go... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> These are people. And to believe God can do something with that. Hoping against hope. He believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. Now, I know he had a specific promise. God said, this is what I'm going to do. We may not be able to name the specific promise that we have from God, but we do have the promise that he will be with us and bless us and keep us and watch over us and create within us life and something new. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he did what? Are you reading it? As he gave glory to God. If we want to be able to live our lives through the changes all around us, then we must maintain from our vantage point that we recognize God is God and give him the glory. To live a life, as Paul talks about, a life of gratitude toward him, always open to his movement within us. Now, I know I've gotten mad at him, too. You've gotten mad at him, too. I've told God off before. You have, too. But as a whole, I trust him and want to keep my life open to his touch and to show me that where I am now can become a blessed place. Paul sort of talked about this later on in Romans chapter 8. When he talked about in 8.28, that wonderful verse that we love, for God works all things together for good. He doesn't say that everything that happens is good, but whatever happens in our lives, he will work it together into something good. Isn't that the same thing we've been talking about? That he can take where we are and bless it and open up new possibilities. He can work everything into something good for those of us who love him. 
Just keep your heart open to Him, to give Him glory and to love Him. And who are called according to His purposes, who care about where God wants to lead us and stay sensitive to that leadership. Let's close out with back in Romans chapter 4. Because this is a wonderful passage. It says, Therefore, his faith, Abraham's faith, was counted as righteousness for him. God said, Abraham, because you believe me and because you're open to me and you're willing to let me lead you and guide you, our relationship is good. Verse 23. Now the words that was reckoned to him were written not just for his sake, But this whole story about Abraham was told and has been written down and saved just for you. It is for our sakes as well. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. I want you to notice that last phrase there as we close. That did not say that we will have a good relationship with God if we believe that that, that he raised Jesus from the dead. You can believe that, but it not be something that works in your life. What you need to believe is in a God who can bring life out of death. And I don't know where you are right now in your family life. There may be death in your family, but there can be life once again if you'll just stick with him, with a God who can bring something out of nothing. Let's stand and sing.